You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Hannah's upcoming season of The Bachelorette. And he's interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Reality Steve Podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve, and this is episode number... What number are we on? Does anybody know? Without without me telling you, does anybody know what number we're on? Good, because I don't. Oh, 122. This is episode 122. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got a great show for you this week. This is one I recorded back in January and then accidentally deleted, so we had to re-record it. We re-recorded it last week. I guess there's no good way to say it that, um, you know, the the passing of Luke Perry, the timing of it kind of works out to where we can talk about it. Um, but, yeah, this is um, this is a lot of fun. Uh, we do spend some a good amount of time talking about Luke and his death and his impact uh, on how big he was. And it's just a lot of fun talking about 90210, because if you're someone of my age or within five years, give or take uh, either way of my age, and you watch 90210, you know how big of a show it was, and you know how big of a phenomenon it was back in the early 90s. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring them on. They have Tara Ariano and Sarah D. Bunting. Um, they currently have a podcast, the Again With This podcast. They're also uh, the owners of Previously.tv. They're having a book coming out. We talk about that on the podcast, so all good stuff. I do want to mention one thing. We are not having Casey on this week, Casey Campbell from Temptation Island, because as you saw last night, there was only one finality to any of the couples, and that's Carl and uh, Nicole's breakup. Oops, sorry, spoiler alert if you didn't watch the episode yet. But Carl and Nicole broke up. Um, the, John and Katie are at their final bonfire when the show ends, and it just it, there wasn't enough to talk about with Casey. But next week, it's going to be a boffo show. We're going to have Casey on and hopefully Mark Wahlberg the host of Temptation Island as well. Um, Obviously, Casey has been on every week this season, but she has been able, she's had to hold back some things because, you know, she couldn't give away the ending or what she was feeling exactly in the moment and stuff like that. You're going to get an unfiltered Casey Campbell next week for sure. Um, That's going to be an interesting podcast to say the least. But anyway, let's get started. Podcast number 122 with the Again With This Podcast co-host Tara Ariano and Sarah D. Bunting. Let's welcome in our guests. We've got probably one of my favorite things to do is to talk Beverly Hills 90210. You hear me talk about it a lot, tweet about it, write about it. Well, we've got two of the preeminent 90210 experts. Is that a good name? Is that, is that what they call it? Um, sure. <laughs> it's Tara Ariano and Sarah D. Bunting from the Again With This podcast. Ladies, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. I want to get into, I mean, for for those that don't remember, we actually recorded a podcast. It was about probably close to two hours, maybe, (laughs) back in January, and it was great, and we had so much fun talking 90210, and stupid me deleted it accidentally. So this is kind of a repeat of that. We're going to keep it a little bit shorter this time and tighten it up. But um, So let's just start off, and, um, you know, you guys were just... Give us a very short background on you guys, because in the first podcast, I didn't realize that you guys were the founders of Television Without Pity. I had no idea. Um, indeed. I will I can take this one, if you yes. like, Tara. Sure. 
Um, we met, quote unquote, on an internet bulletin board um, devoted in part to uh, discussing Beverly Hills 90210 and uh, the wrap ups written by Danny Drennan uh, of Same Show. Um, and then we went on to um, start recapping Dawson's Creek sort of on this bulletin board. And people suggested that we get our own site, I think, nicely, but also probably because <laughs> we were cluttering up the threads complaining about Dawson's Creek. So we launched Dawson's Rap. That was just recaps of uh, Dawson's Creek. And then uh, we graduated to Mighty Big TV, which became Television Without Pity. Uh, so, yes, we with David T. Cole are the co-founders of Television Without Pity. And now you are working on previously.tv along with your podcast, correct? That's... Yes, along with various podcasts, uh, including, again with this, which is devoted currently to Beverly Hills 90210, although we are uh, reaching the end of the run. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> We're now in season 10 on that podcast, and we have a book on the show coming out in October of 2020. Yeah. We should say, since we just announced it on our own podcast, uh, that we will start working in uh, episodes about about Melrose Place, starting at the beginning of that episode. So April 1st will be our first podcast on the Melrose Place pilot. And that is not an April Fool's joke. We really are doing No, it that. is true. We should have said <laughs> that on our podcast. I think that. So you guys are going to do what you did with 90210 with Melrose Place. You're just going to rip through the whole series. Yes. Awesome. Assuming we live that yeah. long. I can't wait till you get to the part where you've all you've seen it, right? Or no? Someone just asked you, you guys need to do this. No, I mean I've I, I watched it at the time, not religiously. So I I have I I have an idea of the big arcs, but I I don't I'm I don't know it as well as I know certainly the early years of nine hundred two one zero, but nine hundred two one zero in general. Yeah, I was a pretty faithful watcher at the time, but I didn't make it to the end. I think Lisa Rina Lisa Rinna came in and I went out <laughs> at about that point. But uh, yeah, it, it's seemed funny. like a logical extension of the again with this franchise to move on to the spinoff from 90210, which, of course, was Melrose. It's crazy because there were a lot of back in the mid 90s. I mean, that show had so many oh shit moments, but. <laughs> It was, oh, shit, for 1995. Like, now, what they did on that show, it's just like, okay, we've seen that a thousand times. But back then, I don't. people just don't grasp. Unless you were watching religiously every week Melrose Place. I mean, it was it was like 90210. It was appointment television. It was watch parties. It was like, oh, my God, what is what scheme is Michael Mancini going to pull this week? Uh, I mean, he was, he was literally one of my favorite characters on television back in the day. He was... I, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. I, I know you've seen it, but yeah, that's a that's a great show. Um, yeah, pretty much nobody was having more fun with their uh, nighttime drama job than Thomas Calabro, <laughs> for sure. Oh, uh, I hate that Michael. He's so smug. The only show that could have a whole episode of Seinfeld devoted to secretly watching it. <laughs> well, it, it leads me into the the nine hundred two and zero stuff, and uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is kind of the impact that 90210 had. I mean, the fact that you have done a podcast where you have recapped every single episode for 10 seasons and have the following that you do pretty much shows how important this show was to people that, like myself, currently 43, that were watching the show as it was happening. They were freshmen in college. I was a freshman in college. Like, it was a major part 
of my life and everyone's lives. And it's hard to explain that. I've tried to explain it to my niece and nephew how important that show was to me in high school and college, but it gets lost because of what kids see nowadays. But in your words, I mean, either one of you can take it first. Is it really is it, how can you describe the impact 90210 had on high school television? I mean, it, it we it, you're right. We can't repeat it now because there's the mass media isn't the same. There isn't really a, any kind of thing that everybody watches yeah. or that everybody watches at the same time. I mean, something like 13 Reasons Why on Netflix is obviously a big thing to the youth today and I know you know, kids like Riverdale or whatever, but as many of them might be watching it a season at a time as are watching it live on the CW, given, you know, how many households have cut the cord, but you know, there was no cord cutting in, in the nineties and 90210 just like came out of the gate. It was a mid season show on Fox, this brand new network that like had nothing else really going for it could, could put all of its marketing behind it. And I also was, I was the same age as the character's the first season after that they repeated their junior year so then i was a year yeah. older than them and then um, kelly kept having like two birthdays a year which was a weird thing <laughs> yeah. yeah depending on the crisis that necessitated another birthday right um but i also worked at the public library then that was my after school job and so one of my jobs was checking in new magazines and it was like every cover like rolling stone people magazine like uh, it was just it was inescapable how big the show was um so yeah it's it's hard to conceive of it now or even to explain to someone who is a teenager what it was like for the entire country to be watching something at the same time that was not the super bowl yeah. you know it was huge no i agree i mean it was it was something that like i said appointment television watch parties you just don't have that because there's so many like you said cord cutting so many other shows to watch now but when that came out it was new it was fresh it was i mean nobody in that cast was somebody that anybody really had ever heard of very much i mean shannon Doherty. and it was for teenagers like yeah. it, you know there weren't there weren't a lot of shows that were for people our age like this was kind of it unless you wanted to seek out you know Degrassi Junior High at PBS, like this is the only game in town. So yeah, yeah. And Shannon Doherty, I think she had done Girls Just Want to Have Fun before that, but she was not a household mm -hmm. name at all. And no, she'd done Heather's also. Oh yeah, and Our House with Wilford Brimley. She was on Our House. I was the only one who watched that. <laughs> and Deirdre Hall, right? Mm -hmm. Oh okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a show that it, it's it, it it's. It's inexplainable to children nowadays or teenagers nowadays. You can't because it was such a different time back then and you didn't watch stuff on your phone and you didn't watch seasons over a, over the course of a weekend. You got one episode a week and you'd sit there and you'd like it. Like that's what you got. And And um, you would and you would endlessly pick it apart like you would discuss it. Oh yeah. Oh, and you know, and and the popularity of it like I don't think if if the if the cast of Riverdale went out to a mall and said, we're doing a mall signing, you'd get a crowd. But what Luke Perry and Jason Priestley and that and Ian and all them, that whole cast had to deal with was uh, unlike anything, again, unexplainable nowadays. And you'd be like, why would people show up at a mall to see these kids? But go Google stuff on YouTube and go look at it because it's out there of how popular these kids were, which was fairly amazing. All right, guys, let's take a break real quick. Talk to you about today's sponsor. It is brought to you by 
NeoU, fitness platform that streams live and on-demand classes from top instructors and workout concepts from around the world. Unlike other apps, NeoU has over 40 fitness concepts like a Vixen workout, which is an empowering and sexy dance workout, Brave Body Project, a body-positive cardio boot camp, Con Body, a boot camp that was developed in prison, and Jane Do, a fun workout created by two Radio City Rockettes that you can do with your girlfriends. Plus, yoga, boxing, meditation, pre- and postnatal, and much, much more. Filter by body focus, length of time, and even by high or low impact to find the perfect workout for any time. And stream from any device, iOS, Android, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, or a computer. Then, use the equipment you have on hand from dumbbells to your own body weight. Sign up on the web at neoufitness.com and use the code Steve to receive one month free. That's neoufitness.com, promo code Steve. Now, let's get back to Sarah and Tara from the Again With This podcast, uninterrupted for the remainder of this podcast. So I want to move on to um, your the book that you're working on. You said 2020 comes out. Exactly what is the book going to be? The book is uh, we haven't really settled on a on a title yet. We're still in the beginning phases of um, crafting this um, <laughs> magnum dopus. <laughs> but uh, basically, it's like the 90 most significant episodes of Beverly Hills 90210 note that we're using the word significant and not the word best or greatest because the shows uh, much like the shows you know influence sort of was larger than it and almost untethered to its quality Um, the sort of you know a ranking of the episodes soon devolves into uh, you know, it, it's less bad. The continuity was less of a mess. Um, but there were a lot of episodes that, I mean, there were a lot of episodes, period. A lot of people aren't even aware that it continued past um, like season six. So, uh, but there are a fair number of significant episodes that people remember sometimes without even knowing why. They remember them that sort of um, resounded in the culture or um, are significant to fans of the show. So there will be a list of those episodes and some capsule commentary on those episodes and then some sidebars about significant characters, both um, continuing and one-off characters, uh, the way that the show handled capital I issues, hmm. um, usually by having Brandon Bray at them, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, we're sort of in season one in our breakdown right now, and it's really been interesting to go back to the beginning, especially when we're on season 10 in the podcast, and look at how different the show was and just marinate in the Brenda-ness of it all, because season 10 is just like, who? <laughs> what's a Noah like why why is this happening to us oh no I I am recently when we when we last spoke in January I was binging season one I had done uh college years I did four five six and seven over the span of about four weekends and or (laughs) in the span of a month I, I watched the college years again and I was like okay let me go back and watch high school and I'm and I got to the close to the end of season one, and then I just got busy with bachelor stuff and and didn't watch. I haven't gotten to two and three, but um, I will. I had eventually. a nickel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
we and you know I, I think it's cool that you're doing the book because it's gonna I'm gonna get it and it's gonna remind me of a lot of stuff that I missed because I'm much more familiar with the college years. I do remember the high school years. After college, eight, nine, and ten, I remember certain storylines of Kelly getting shot, Kelly amnesia, Jason, uh, um, you know, Brandon cheating on Kelly with the redhead with the pixie haircut. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, Steve, a baby, Jack McKay is really alive. Like I remember stuff like that, but I don't remember full season storylines like I could recite to you for college. So it'll be good for to to read stuff like that because honestly, I don't have a, any reason to go. When I finish the high school years, I'm done. I'm not going eight, nine, and ten. I just I can't bring myself <laughs> to do it. No, uh, that's that's that why <laughs> we get paid the little bucks is to do that for you. And I know that when when we spoke last time, you guys are big fans of high school. I'm a big fan of the college years, high school of 90210. I'm a big fan of the college years. So let's let's dive into why you like high school better than college on 90210. Um, um Tara, you go first. Okay, well I mean I just I have watched high school more. Like okay. I said I was the age of the characters. I watched it religiously then. Um, I mean, high school plus freshman year of college, basically I'm, I'm a Brenda years. I won't say purist. I mean, I can't now cause I've, <laughs> I've gone so far past it, but, um, <laughs> like when it started airing in syndication in Canada, where I was living at the time as an adult, we didn't have soap net or whatever. Um, it was carried by a Canada a channel in Canada called TV Tropolis. And when they got to the end of the, the Brenda years, they started again at the beginning. Like it was TV <laughs> Tropolis did not acknowledge a post Brenda show at all. And I sort of felt like, you know what? I, I agree. <laughs> I co-signed that decision. <laughs> um, I really love Brenda. I love all her stories. I love how ridiculous she was. So, you know, college, I would say years one and two are okay early val is good but yeah the the uh the post-college years are just like such a waste of time and honestly never should have happened mm. sarah what do you think um yeah i agree with that right down the line i'm not as much of a purist as tara and i think um i forget when i bailed during the um original run i think probably it premiered when I was a freshman in college. And so I know I was with it through the Brenda years and possibly a year after that. But I think I bailed mid-Val originally. And certainly when I was watching it in syndication on like Soapnet or Pop a few years ago, it would get to, like, you know, they'd graduate from college. And I was like, all right, I'm going to free up the DVR for other things for a while until they go back to the beginning. Um, it was just so soapy and so ridiculous and not in a fun way anymore, particularly in the latter seasons. You can tell that kind of everybody's just there to, you know, get the check and go home. But college, I mean, college has some good storylines and some good characters. I love Val. I liked Susan a lot, but uh, like compared to the high school years and just the impact that the show was having in the culture and on me personally, it just seems like a much purer product. And I think why you guys loved the high school years as much as you did and liked and liked it better than college was because you started with it. And, and yeah. I, and I told you this story that 
I was in high school in the same years that they were when we were when it was on, but I never watched it in high school. I heard everybody talking about it. I saw them on every cover of Bop magazine and whatnot at the grocery store, but I never watched it. I got to college and I started watching it, you know, as it was going. And then I went back and watched the high school years once I was done with college. So that's probably why I have more of a, a liking towards the college years is because I, I saw it first and I grew up with Valerie, Valerie Malone. I did not grow up with Brenda Walsh and I went back and watched it and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm still a Valerie fan. Like I just, I never got into Brenda. I was never, and I, and I've seen seasons one through four, probably three times from beginning to end. I just could never get on board. I just liked Valerie more, probably because I came from a Saved by the Bell years and, Mm. and I was a Kelly Kapowski guy. And all of a sudden Kelly Kapowski is showing up as this vixen and smoking weed on the first episode. She shows up on 90210. And I'm like, whoa, this is like <laughs> Kelly Kapowski is smoking a joint in the in the Walsh house. Like I'm I was so <laughs> I was a confused boy at that time. Apparently I was I was just <laughs> all over the map of this is this is great. And and that's why I guess I couldn't ever get on board with Brenda and, and watching her storylines. I just I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what it is that I Shannon, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, but Team Valerie here. All, all all day, all day, every day. Um, I think one thing we all visually do- that's hard to argue <laughs> with. I mean, I think we all have shows that we sort of imprinted on mid series. Yeah. I have a couple that are like that. So yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. And as well, season one is a somewhat different show from what we think of as like stereotypical. Oh yeah, I when I went back and I started watching season one, those first two episodes. It is like it doesn't even look like nine hundred two and oh, just the way it was shot and how it looks faded on my DV on my DVD. I'm watching the DVDs of it, and then it looks faded. It looks so uh, the cars that they're driving are <laughs> ugly, and it just there wasn't anything about it that jumped out at me. I was like, I don't even know. I was trying to put myself back in you know nineteen ninety one. I'm like. If I would have started watching this in 91, I don't know if I would have stuck with it because those first two episodes were tough. Um, when Luke joined, I think in episode two or three, that kind of, and, and you know, since his passing last week, everyone, all the stories that have been written have been, that was kind of the shot in the arm that this show needed. And I don't know. I mean, when so were you were you in it? From beginning, in terms of when you first saw that episode, you were like, man, I'm I'm hooked. This is it. I was for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, we were definitely in it from a, you know, so bad it's good standpoint. But, yeah, we were, like, we were in. But Luke Perry definitely, like, adding Dylan to the mix made a critical difference. I would agree. Yeah. And, you know, we'll get to Luke's death in a, in a minute here. Um I think I think one of the other things that we've talked about in the past on this and last time that we spoke was, you know, I know we talked about the impact of storylines as well and certain storylines that not only does the show the popularity of it in the 90s, but the fact that it, for the most part, this show still holds up now. Because when you watch it, it's like if you sat down a high schooler, these are still relevant topics that they talked about. Yes, 
there are some that are way out there, Steve getting accused of rape and all that, and the woman getting away with it. Or him being accused, and we, we all remember that storyline, or maybe we don't, um, from freshman year of college. Uh, but, I mean, talk about how the storylines are not – I mean, it, it is a campy show, yes, but it is still relevant in terms of those type of storylines. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it does cover stories, or, I mean, topics that are still relevant today, but I mean, looking at them from a almost, Jesus Christ, 30 years later perspective, like the, the, these writers were not woke. Um, you couldn't get away with telling the, you know, the he said, she said version of the rape accusation story now. No. Um, and they handle it really badly. Like, you know, there's there's so much ambiguity about the story. Whereas if you compare it to uh, the way, for example, Switched at Birth on Freeform, no longer on. But they also did a storyline where it was like, you know, both of the participants in a an act of sexual congress were intoxicated and the questions of consent are more muddy. But there's no there's no question in the way the show approaches this story of of what is the truth and who is to blame in a situation like this whereas here i they really tried to have it both ways with steve like they you know they sort of made it like well he took advantage of her but she let herself be coerced and what did she think was going to happen when she went to a frat house and she really just brought this up because she was stung that he rejected her and like no (laughs) like that's not an okay way to do a a a rape storyline now no way (laughs) yeah yeah, now no way um do you have an early season or any season like favorite storyline either of you sarah you go first of maybe not necessarily let's just favorite is too generic um like something where it's like you actually thought okay i really thought it was number one it was a good topic and number two they actually handled it well no <laughs> I mean, really, like maybe there's just something that I'm not remembering. Like there are moments, and of course I'm not thinking of one specifically. So Tara, if you want to jump in and remind me of something that I praised in this regard, feel free. But uh, I know that there are places where um, either the writing was, albeit clumsily, trying to do or say the right thing. Um, about a, you know, capital I issue situation or the acting, usually it was this, the acting in a scene um, really sold, really sold it. Um, Like it it wasn't a complete failure, but the show could never sort of seem to decide what it really wanted to be. Like it started out as much more of a... um, not social hygiene film. It wasn't that bad, but much more like let's sit down and seriously consider these issues. And then it transitioned into much more of a primetime soap opera, which is fine, but they would still be bringing in these issues and having Brandon bray about them. And, uh, you know, there was always this like attempt to be high minded that was not supported by the skills of the writing staff (laughs) Let's leave it at that. But something like um, when, you know, during one of Brenda and Dylan's many 
breakups that she just she can't bring herself to go to school and then she just starts she's in her pajamas and she starts sobbing on her father's shoulder and Shannon Doherty is so convincing and James Eckhouse as uh, Jim Walsh is so like stricken in that way that fathers of daughters sometimes are like I don't what do I do with this I didn't have sisters it was a very sweet real feeling moment but in terms of issues handling I I really can't think of and sometimes this wasn't their fault and like history has not borne out the handling of a given issue that at the time might have seemed perfectly normal and even thoughtful um but I can't really think of a storyline that today I wouldn't have just torn down or like sent back with a gazillion post-its on it. Like, no, 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 no. Also, no. Yeah, there. I agree there in terms of issue episodes, there really isn't one where it wouldn't have benefited from like 17 sensitivity reads because <laughs> this clearly is a show that was like written by white people. So whenever they tried to get outside their lane, it was like horribly embarrassing and bad. Like the pigskin prom <laughs> episode where they try to, you know, make peace with the, the school from South central. Like, you know, there's, they're honestly, they're just, Sarah's right. I, I, I'm sure if we went back through all of the archives, I could probably find one where I would say it's not totally ham handed. Actually one that's that they did okay with was, um, the Halloween episode in season two, when Kelly is almost date raped by the cowboy guy. Um, and they, they are unambiguous at the end. She tries to blame herself and the, you know, her friends are like, no, this is his fault. He, you know, Brenda's kind of a bitch about it, but Brenda's kind of a bitch. Uh, everyone else is like, he's, he's to blame. You were fine. Um, but in terms of, a, I think the stories that they do well or better anyway, are, as Sarah said, the, the ones that are more about relationships versus, you know, characters that are parachuted in for one or two episodes to like teach the gang a lesson about something. Yeah. Um, and the way it handled uh, the breakup of Brenda and Dylan and K- Kelly and Dylan getting together, I thought was very good in terms of just how long it takes. <laughs> that sounds like a read, um, but it's not like something like that would, you know, you don't just break it off clean in high school. And the other thing that happens a lot on TV or in pop culture generally is when a couple is breaking up for story reasons, they need to continue being friendly so the breakup will happen. It'll be like, oh, we just wanted different things. And like, it's totally mutual versus here where Brenda's like, I hate you both. Never speak to me again. And sticks to it for like several episodes. It takes almost the whole back half of season three for her to even be kind of civil to them. And to me, that's very realistic. Like that's, that's what, that's what would happen. And especially for as long as the show goes on and like how much everyone has to trade partners, you know, we're especially saying it now in season 10 where it's like, you guys don't have to hang out anymore and you shouldn't like you hate each other. Stop this. Uh, and if there were, this were real life, you would. Um, but in high school, like you're in each other's faces, it's really inescapable. Your mother might let you stay up home from school due to sadness for like a day, but then she's going to get over your shit until you have to go and take your math test. Um, so I thought the way they handled that storyline was like realistically, uh, it covered it it realistically covered how dramatic that would be for high school students you're right about the issue stuff um and you're right about the relationship stuff because those are the ones that i think people remember the most the the triangle between brenda and kelly and dylan and then subsequently after 
Um, you know, after that, it was the triangle between Dylan, uh, Brandon and Kelly, that whole that whole one. Um, yeah, I think one and, and I'm not just saying this because of he's fresh on people's mind and, and the passing of of Luke Perry. But honestly, one of my favorite storylines and, you know, knowing he was going to be written out of the show and knowing he had they gave him 10 episodes uh, in in season it would have been season 6 junior year of college is when the Dylan exit happened um i really liked the 10 episode arc with him and tony marchette and how they wrote dylan off the show he finally found the guy who killed his father he fell for his daughter i i don't know i liked it i i thought it was a good send off for him i obviously you remember that storyline, what did you think of the Dylan, Tony Marchette um, storyline? Go ahead, Tara. Okay. Um, I I would agree with you if not, if they hadn't brought Dylan back because the way they resolve it after his return is so dumb that yeah. it's just like he's, he's, he comes back. He's had a whole relationship with Brenda in the meantime that we keep hearing about their adventures off screen and like where in Europe they are when they're not in front of our eyes. Um, but then all of, it's like that never happened. He comes back to town. He's like fixed on revenge against Tony Sr. And like goes nuts. He's on heroin. He's got a gun. He's breaking into people's houses. And then at the end of it, it's like, oh, he died like two weeks after you left town. Like, what? <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, I mean... Uh, not to speak ill of the dead, but I, I really wish Dylan hadn't come back because he he's watching him now is like he's such a shadow of the, what the character used to be. So annoying. Um, again, not this is the character, not Luke Perry. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like they really betrayed what was, you know, your mileage may vary, but arguably a, a good exit for him and at least one that made sense. Yeah. To only only to just undercut it with all this stupidity when he came back in whatever it was season nine mm. and so yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of um like retconning of him like his whole relationship with brenda was only him mourning his wife like all right but we were here for all of the myriad mentions of him and brenda so that makes no sense and on top of that he finds out tony senior died um having had a complete meltdown in a cemetery office about the fact that Tony Jr.'s remains had been moved. He doesn't figure out where they were moved to. And then yeah. that whole thing is dropped. Like he's just sort of done with that. Like, oh, closure, that mythical animal. Bye. Yeah. Goes to court ordered rehab, gets in some adventures with, you know, people on his um, picking up trash community service detail etc but yeah i agree with tara like it would have had more um lasting power sort of on rewatch if we didn't know that he was going to come back and and also apparently be that one alcoholic who can get addicted to heroin get off that but then drink (laughs) yeah that bugs me yeah i i i didn't like i said i nine and ten when he comes back i just I remember the main thing, which was the, you know, oh, by, oh, by the way, Jack McKay is still alive. I remember that. But I don't I didn't remember the how they addressed the Tony Marchette stuff. And 
I totally forgot about that, that his dad, that Tony Marchette senior, you know, kicked it I two mean, weeks he, after Luke left town. I to- or Luke. He did have good chemistry with Rebecca Gayhart, but not as mm-hmm. good as with other like credits cast people. Yeah. Yep. And I think we were all aware, like the early parts of the show sort of existed in this pre-internet twilight where we weren't quite as aware as a society or as a like culture as we all are now as civilians about like casting news and contract negotiations and stuff like that. Yeah. And by, but by the time he left, I feel like we all kind of knew or had read in entertainment weekly or whatever that this was like the pieces were being moved into place to get him off the show. So I think we might've been a little bit more cynical about watching it unfold, but maybe I'm misremembering that it was quite a long time ago. <laughs> I, I remember watching that knowing, okay, I know he's leaving this season, but I don't know how, and I don't know what episode. And the way it was building, especially that last episode, you kind of thought, oh, crap, they're going to kill him off. And, you know, the whole switcheroo with, you know, Bruno finding out from Tony Marchette's other security guard that Dylan's on his way over, but then Dylan actually gave the keys to Antonia, and she's the one that gets shot. Like, I, I that one... I was like, I, I literally was not happy with the fact that they, I thought they were going to kill him, kill him off. And I was like, okay, well, not that I felt like happy. I was like, oh, great. Antonia's dead. But I was, <laughs> I was happy that Luke and Dylan McKay survived it. And I just, I thought the exit was good. It was handled well. I thought that 10 episode arc with her and him made, it made sense. It, it had drama to it because he fell for the daughter of, uh, his father's murderer. Um, I just liked it. I liked that one. That was a good relationship one. Uh, let's talk about relationships in other ones. I know you guys hate Brandon Walsh like uh, like no other. Um, I'm a fan of Brandon. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's terrible. He's the worst. <laughs> he's very bad. We hate him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, I know we uh, went over this last time, but let's, let's do it again. What is, who is your favorite Brandon girlfriend? Mm. I forget who I said last last time, but I mean, Nikki doesn't really count because they were barely together. She was really cute, though. Uh, yeah, probably Susan, I would say. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I think Susan as well. And I was always make I, I don't count Kelly because she was a main character. I I guess I should have phrased it as favorite Brandon girlfriend that you know he had an arc with, and that season six arc with Susan I thought was good. And I thought she was, they fit well together. And then the, their breakup was, it was actually one of those breakups where I think it was the only breakup, well, maybe except for the racist on the beach. I don't think they had a good breakup. But um, <laughs> the, the racist on the beach. <laughs> the beach club. What was her name? What was the, the girl? Brooke. Brooke. Oh, Brooke. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with Susan, I don't think I saw that coming other than obviously I knew she was leaving, but. I remember specifically probably because I've seen season six more than any other season, but the scene on the boat where he goes and talks to her for the last time and she tries to convince him, come to DC with me. And he is just Mr. Pouty face. And no, I'm good. Oh, have a, no, gra- have a great time. Pouting. He's like screaming directly in her face, like an <laughs> abusive 
crazy person who should be arrested. <laughs> he, really, he is honestly like he's he's in her face really aggressively. It's it's a huge escalation from how mad we've ever seen him before, and is like way over the top. He was very yeah. I remember that he goes he goes into her room on the Queen Mary because Steve was having his birthday bash put on by the prince, and she tells him she took the job. And I remember specifically, it's. You took the job. You took the job, like yeah. nose to nose. And I'm like, "Whoa, Brandon, he's up." Um, and she's sitting on the bed, and he's like standing over her, which, yeah. given his um, diminutive stature, <laughs> might have been the only way that they thought they could make this um, exploding rage ball convincing. But he didn't really need the help. Like he really does look like he's gonna hit her, and it's not the only time that he's like that, or like grabs women by the arm. Oh, he does that a lot. All the time. Does he? he does it to oh Susan all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was always proud of her for being like, well, the job is great and you are you. <laughs> and she stuck the landing and we never saw her again. Bless her heart. And then she went on to be a vengeance demon. Yeah. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> yeah. I just remember that. I mean, that was the scene where he found out about it. And then they go and chase down him and Steve go to a, strip bar they find colin they chase him around they, they, and then he's like oh i gotta go back and talk to susan and then that last conversation on the boat she's like come with me and he's like no goodbye keats gives her a kiss on the cheek and that was it mm. like a whole season of them together lovey-dovey couple and we got a goodbye keats kiss on the cheek i'm out of here and just leaves her on the boat and he was uh you know because he was it wasn't his idea and it wasn't his it wasn't his thing it wasn't her trailing behind the great man, so he was not interested. And neither was the show, which was its fatal flaw. Yeah, I mean, the the whole thing was, the, supposedly, he'd been offered this great summer job and he didn't take it so that they could do their road trip or whatever the fuck, but it's yeah. like, that was your, and he didn't take it for that reason, but it's like, that's that's your choice. She made a different choice. Like, as Sarah said, she stuck the landing. Like, the, the correct thing happened, but he couldn't not be a complete asshole for first. <laughs> Um. All right. I I I want to transition into Luke and you know his untimely passing last week. When you first heard the news about it, I mean, what went through your head, Sarah? You go first. Um, I mean, I did, like nothing went through my head. It was a very strange thing because I was in the middle of recording another podcast about which is a, about true crime shows. Um, and my phone is like literally inching off my desk because of all the buzzing that's happening. And I was like, oh, no, um, someone died. And I I really wanted not to be a family member. And then I saw who it was and I had to sort of stop our process of recording because in a way it, it sort of was a family member. <laughs> like we yeah. have spent a lot of we have spent more time with these people, I think, than some of their family. <laughs> so it's like. I mean, it was just a lot. And he was relatively young. Like, I know 52 is not young, but it's not but like the actor who played Rush Sanders, Jed Allen, died earlier this week. He was 84. Like, that's that's not good for his family. But he was 84, 52 years old of a massive stroke. Like, it was just it was just a lot to take in. And then um, sort of seeing the reaction um on Twitter, just in the culture. We were talking about this on our own podcast earlier today, but again, we're in it. 
So we have like no perspective on how people might react to things to do with the show because it's our job to react to this show. But then to see like what a good egg he was in his life and with fans, that was really like that made it much more significant. But it really, you know, I got the news and was like, oh, my first reaction really was here we go, which is not super flattering to me but that's what happened <laughs> and i was yeah. like boy this is going to be this is going to be rough but i i didn't really i wasn't expecting the response and how it went tara uh well my husband had just um had surgery that day on his shoulder so i was he he had just finished recovering and i was on my way through um you know the the desk area to get the car uh, so I could take him home. And I, as I was passing the nurse, I heard her say Luke Perry's name. And I was like, wait, what, what Did something happen? She said, yeah, he died. So, I mean, I hate to laugh, but I will always remember where I was for that reason. <laughs> Cause yeah. the two events were, you know, um, coincidentally occurred. Uh, my husband is fine by the way. Uh, and yeah, it was I similar to Sarah. I I didn't think that someone who, you know, had been kind of a had not, had not had a huge career really in a long time. I mean, of course, he I would say he worked steadily. He was, you know, he did Oz, he did various stuff on Broadway and of course Riverdale and and you know, Hallmark movies and stuff. Like he was he was a working actor post 90210. But you sort of think like, well, okay, his heyday was close to 30 years ago. Like, it's not going to be the same for everyone in culture as it is for me and Sarah. And it turns out it it was. Like, people <laughs> yeah. people around our age were just really shattered because for so many of them, he was, you know, I wrote about this for Decider. He was like, he was their first crush. Yeah. Um, and that never really fades. He's, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say you never forget your first because it has a different connotation. But... But yeah, I mean, for someone that you, you know, in your in a formative time of your life, spent a huge amount of it thinking about this person. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's awful and sad and and so unexpected when someone, as Sarah said, who's who's so relatively young, can can pass away in this in this manner. So yeah, I was I was a little surprised by the outpouring, but then I was just really touched because it seemed like everyone only had lovely stories to tell about him yeah and we get that a lot when someone dies you only hear the glowing stuff but it really seemed genuine that everybody that had a story about him was was positive he was never as far as i know obviously it's been 30 years of coverage but as far as i know never in trouble with the law never in yeah never had spousal issues never had you know child support stuff and at least i don't remember any of that um just seemed like an all-around Well, now we're guy. like a couple of weeks on from it. If someone were going to come forward and be like, actually, he was inappropriate or right. actually he, yeah, like there's been nothing. Yeah, nothing. And so far, I hope. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> and it's it's good. it's good to hear. Um, the montages of his career were, I mean, I couldn't watch them. Like I was, it took me a good two or three days. I didn't, anytime something came up, I'm like, I can't watch this. Uh, it's too sad. Um you know, he was a guy that, even though I wasn't watching in high school, I was aware of who he was. And like I said, because he was on the cover of Bop every time I went to get a Snickers at the grocery store. 
and it was right there in the checkout line. And him and Jason Priestley, I mean, he I, obviously 60s and 70s, you had the mutton chops or whatever, but Jason Priestley and Luke Perry were the reason sideburns were popular in the 90s. It was them. It's true. I they mean, yeah. they were they were it. They to... were the ones. They brought it. I when I was in high school, I grew out my sideburns because I saw two guys on the covers of magazines on a show I wasn't watching. That's how popular they were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what it was. And to th- And I think that was a net gain for the culture, frankly. Yep. I Agreed. I like a I like a big chop. And <laughs> they might be why, I don't know. And it's so funny. I mean, you guys know this by covering 10 seasons of the show. The evolution of the Brandon sideburn through the course of 10 seasons, like in the beginning it was thin and then it got giant and then it became smaller again. Like I was so enamored. Like Luke was very good with keeping his sideburn pretty thin the whole time. Brandon went ape shit on his sideburn. And I don't, but I mean, that's just Brandon. I, I'm sure you'll chalk it up to Jason Priestley being an asshole or something. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know if Jason Priestley is an asshole. He but, could be lovely. Brandon is an <laughs> asshole for sure. Yeah. And I frankly didn't even notice like the evolution of the sideburn because the evolution of the shelf head oh. or devolution of the shelf head well, sort of never pulls changed. all focus. Yeah. yeah. The Bart Simpson hair. And when it did, was... it was bad. Like, I just don't know. I just don't know why nothing else was attempted. <laughs> Um, we got about 15 minutes left. I want to talk about what's happening now and the reboot that's coming this summer. I'm assuming it's still happening because Luke and Shannon hadn't signed on to it. They were thinking of, you know, possibly making appearances, but I'm, I'm certain it's probably still moving forward. We talked about this back in January. I, I, until I guess, you know, it's, it's tough to say what we think of it because we haven't seen it play out yet. However, we know the general gist of this is going to be a six-episode miniseries, which is a heightened version of these characters. So my question to you is this. Maybe I just read it wrong, and maybe you guys understand it better than me. When we see them on screen, are they going to be talking to each other as Ian and Jason and Brian Austin Green? Are they going to be saying, like, hey, Ian, or... Or are they going to be in character talking about rebooting their? Sh- I, I'm totally. This is like this is like Inception to me. What's that movie? Inception. Yeah, I'm like I'm totally confused on what we're seeing, what we're going to see. What is the impression that you got from that press release? Uh, I can take this one. Okay. So it comes from the same producers who made. Their names are Chris Albergini and Mike Chesler, and they previously had made a show in 2006 with Tori Spelling called So Notorious that was on VH1, where she played a heightened version of herself. Um, And so I think this is going to be like that. It's it's, supposedly the storyline is about these actors playing air quotes themselves, trying to get a revival of the show made. So it's sort of like... 90210 meets Curb Your Enthusiasm, or the comeback, I guess, is probably closer. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my impression, is that they'll be talking to each other as their real-life people, their real-life selves, or a version, a comedic version thereof. Oh, okay. So it is going to be their first names, not their character names. Right. Okay. That's my impression. Yeah, that's – okay, that's kind of what I got, and they're – 
the storyline is okay that they're going to they're pitching <laughs> we're going to watch a <laughs> reboot of them pitching a reboot of their show that they were once on Does that kind of summarize it yeah it's a pop culture fractal repeating on itself <laughs> to eternity my god my head is spinning okay i got it i think i got it <laughs> um is this going to be any good <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i don't want this I don't know. I mean, I guess can't say until we see it. I mean, I'm certainly gonna, we're certainly we're all going to watch it. But I, what are your initial thoughts about this? Um, I I think if this was pitched as a comedy, they're probably in trouble and <laughs> would be wise to limit the episode run to like six. Yeah, because these are not. I mean, it, I guess it depends on the writing, but I'm not sure these performers can necessarily execute on the stuff that like this, it's all, this is all that's going to be is mugging. And, um, Ian Ziering and Tori Spelling in particular are, I think not in possession of necessarily the timing that's required here. Sorry, <laughs> Sharknado veteran Ian Ziering. Um, but it, I don't know. It, it depends. Yeah, it really is tough to say. It just depends on how it's written. It depends on what the setup is. It depends on, like, if they sort of are like, it's a dramedy and it drags on for 42 minutes. I don't know. Like, if if they're a little more um, self aware of uh, about their about everyone's sort of limitations and why it is that people would tune into something like this instead of trying to be too artsy, like it's the day the clown cried. Like, yeah, it is. (laughs) <laughs> clown's not the only one like you know don't don't try to don't try to bite off too much art because it's it's not your lane well i mean the thing that they need to keep in mind is that no one is going to be watching it who isn't somewhat nostalgic for the original series like yeah, they're exactly. not they're not picking up new viewers with this thing like no one who didn't care about the show back then or came to care about it over the years that it was on its indication which it basically has been like continuously uh is is gonna give shit one about this the other thing that's gonna be a bummer and i don't want to be rude or like sell out the sisterhood but like tori spelling's face is really different than it used to be um you know i I, the last episode of the mass singer that i watched was the one where she was unmasked (laughs) and so like you know, for her to come at this with this kind of having also watched her show with Dean um, mm. on Lifetime, which was also Roof. What was it called? Storytelling? No, that um, was a book. No, a true Tory. True Tory. Yes. Um, this is someone who just wants to be a famous person. And so the the sort of the bravo liberty of it, like for lack of a better word, that yeah. they're that that. Uh, they're trying to cultivate with this. I can see why it works for her. I don't know what everyone else who's going to be attached to it really gets out of it. They must be getting paid really well because anyone who's trying to continue to have a relevant career, this is not, this is not going to be good for them. Like, you know, say what you will about Jason Priestley. I certainly have, but like I watched private eyes not that long ago and it was not terrible. I mean, it was a respectable show for someone of his stature, no pun intended, to be doing. Um, Jenny Garth is trying to do Hallmark movies, too. Like, you know, these are people who, I mean, Gabrielle Carteris is the fucking president of SAG. Like, I know why Tori wants to do this. I'm not totally sure why anyone else wants to do this. Okay, Brian Austin Green has child support to pay. Cough. Finally. Um, 
event. Yeah. Now that he's been put on blast for it, but Old yeah, I, she McGee. yeah, I think it will be an interesting artifact, which is not <laughs> the same thing as this will be a show I enjoy watching on its own merits, but we will be covering it on the podcast. <laughs> I can't remember if they said it in the press release. Is this going to be on network Fox or is this going to yeah, Fox? It's going to be on regular Fox. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a part of you that thought, and I know we brought it up in January, but I can't remember what your answers were, so I'll ask it again. When we were talking about this, did we think that this we would have liked a just 90210 with everybody back and basically catching up on them 30 years later? Or this is the route they had to go because nobody would have watched the cast 30 years later? I think people would have watched like, again, for on an artifact level, I think you have enough people who will, even if it's for watching a, you know, train wreck reasons would turn tune in to watch like an ABC family two hour reimagining of where everyone ended up, which is probably where it should have been left mm-hmm. honestly that it's like well here's the you know it's almost 30 years since the show premiered and let's like where are they now and you know you could fit in a lot of the like popular lesser characters who are only on for a season or a couple of seasons and just see where everyone is and then you then everyone goes back to their lives i'm not sure you need a continuing concern like you don't need a limited series. I think a two hour movie would have done it. And by then you're kind of like, you're reminded why (laughs) you don't need anything more than that at the end of two hours. Um, but yeah, as far as rebooting it, like I think that if they, if Tori spelling asks for a meeting, which is, I suspect what happened here. Well, that's, that's more or less what the, what the network executive said, at least in that one write up that I sent you. Yeah. It's like, well, in order to get her to stop standing in the street outside the office with a mug of pencils and a, you know, like a, like a violin case that people throw money into, I guess we're going to take the speeding. I mean, you know, I think there's always going to be some way that a network executive thinks they can capitalize on the enduring influence and interest uh, influence of an interest in the show. And the, but, and the success of reboots has worked. I mean, Will and Grace, you know, they got rebooted and people seem to like that. Uh, The nostalgia, so many things getting rebooted with movies and stuff like that. Um, That's gotta be their angle. Like people can definitely get paid, but especially when the original was it, uh, you know, it was beloved, but not because it was great art. So there are limited there are limited options in terms of what I think they're able to do. And now that a key credits cast member is no longer available unless they're going to do a Nancy Marsh and which, oh, my God, please. No. (laughs) Now that I've said that, I feel like the universe is going to seize on it. Um, Uh, But yeah, I I think so. Right now we have character names. We've got. Kelly, Donna, Andrea, Steve, uh, David, Brandon. Those are the six, the main six that are signed on, correct? They're all in. Yes. Yes. Are we going to get Joe E. Tata on the show? Like, I I need to know if we're going to get, and not only are we going to get Joe E. Tata on the show, 
are we going? Is he still married to Joni? How old is their child now? The one that she had when she was <laughs> seventy years old in season six. Um, is Jesse coming back? Is he still a bartender? Like, I need to know this stuff. I hope they go that route. I really want. I want them to bring back all former. I want Emmy Valentine to come in and try and win Brandon back. And oh wait, they're not going to be talking about Brandon. They're going to be talking about Jason Priestley. Damn it. Well, but they were dating they were in real dating. life, yeah, so it's right. not impossible. She does direct, I think, now. She yeah. directs TV. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I want to know what happened to um, Deshaun. <laughs> I want to know what happened to Susan. So many possibilities. Here. Susan. I want Susan to just send it like a whatever <laughs> email that's like, I'm too busy for you, <laughs> fools. <laughs> um. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless with so many characters. I mean, there were so many people in the early 90s that got their start on 90210 and or one or two or three episode arc that went on to do other things. And then it's like, do we ever see them? And th- and then like the the seasonal girlfriends and the seasonal boyfriends. What about Tracy Galleon, who is now, I believe, a teacher, a theater teacher in, in Culver City, uh, I believe. Oh, good for her. Yeah, I believe she teaches theater in Culver City. I remember and I only did this because I Googled her. Um, I know that because I Googled her. God knows why. I was bored one night, and I'm just like, what is she up to? Dead Scott joined the Air Force. Who did? Dead Scott. Douglas Emerson. Oh, he did? Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Um, I mean, we could go on and on about characters, but the main ones that were on, like Jim and Cindy, do we get an appearance from James Eckhouse and Carol Potter? I don't know. Um Elite, you know, Felice, is she coming back? Do we get her? Like, there's so many possibilities. That's why I think, I mean, I'm certainly going to tune in. I don't care if it's horse shit for six episodes. I'm watching all six. Um, but yeah, uh, this is this is going to be interesting. I, When we first heard about it, I thought it was going to be, hey, we're going to reboot the show and we're going to give you 90210-2019. You know, same favorite characters, what they're up to now. And because we've always speculated in the past, and even on the last podcast I asked you, I was like, hey, what do you think Steve Sanders is up to now? And I believe, <laughs> I believe, I can't remember what your answers were, but they were pretty funny. I remember. I think I speculated that he was a Darwin Award and was dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I will stand by that prediction. <laughs> well, when I, I when I wrote about the revival for for Decider um, last week or two weeks ago, by the time this podcast comes out, I, I mean, I, I, looking back on the characters who who are going to be returning, like if only those six actors were available, like let's look at even who still has a job. Andrea's a doctor. She's probably fine. Brandon newspaper writer laid off. Steve independent <laughs> publisher went under <laughs> Donna owned a boutique. Definitely went under <laughs> Kelly ditto. I mean, the only person who still would maybe have a job other than Andrea is uh, David, who's now like an alt-right podcaster, probably based on mm. where they, we left him in season ten. You know, like this, this, <laughs> these, these are old media people who may not have survived to the new economy. I mean, there would have to be some fancy footwork done to explain like what they're even doing now, probably. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting. I can't wait for it. It's going to be this summer, um, and uh, it's it, it's certainly going to be interesting because there's the possibilities are endless. Is it going to win an Emmy? And none of them are good. (laughs) (laughs) Is it going to win an Emmy? No. But for people that grew up on this show, I mean, this is this was the greatest news ever. Uh, I hate that it was announced, and two days later, or whatever it was, I think two days later, Luke had the stroke, and then 
five days after that he passed. But um, anyway, uh, guys, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, your podcast is called, for those that don't know, again, again with this podcast with Tara Ariano, Sarah D. Bunting, and you basically recap every single episode of 90210 and not just talk about it. You splice in clips uh, so you so people that are listening if you don't remember the storyline, maybe if you heard the voices and heard the scene again, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then your own commentary thrown in. It's very funny. Uh, you got a book coming out in 2020. Do we have a working title for this book or no? Uh, I don't think we do. Okay. No, we don't. <laughs> okay. Book- Hopefully you'll have us back before then so that we can plug but, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if sure. you subscribe to uh, Again With This, we will be covering the reboot, as we said, and um, plugging the book to a disgusting degree. So oh, yeah. uh, when there is a working yeah. title, you will certainly hear it on the podcast. And you are you guys are on episode eight or nine of season 10. So you've got about, I don't know, 15, 16 episodes left of season 10. And then you're, it's on to Melrose Place, correct? Well, we'll be we'll be alternating Melrose and 90210 starting on April 1st. So oh, it'll be every other week at one or the other show until we're we've run out of 90210s. <laughs> Got it. Well, I'll be listening. Thanks again uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know the fans are going to love this. And uh, again, thanks for coming on, you guys. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. Bye. Thank you to Tara and Sarah for that. Such a fun trip down 90210 memory lane. God, I could do that for hours. Anyway, this podcast brought to you by NeoU. NeoU is a fitness app offering live and on-demand classes from top instructors and workout concepts from around the world. NeoU has hundreds of classes from boot camp to dance, yoga, strength, and more. Stream workouts on any device, iPhone, Android, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, and the web. Redeem the code STEVE at NeoU. That's N-E-O-U, fitness.com, to receive one month free. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, no Casey this week, because as you saw on last night's episode, the only finality we got to any couple was Carl and Nicole's breakup. They teased John and Katie. We still haven't gotten an answer as to what happens between them, and then next week you get Evan and Casey, and you get Shari and Javen, and then you get an update uh, from all eight people involved in the four couples, uh, what's going on in their life now. They filmed All of them filmed it a couple weeks ago. So you'll see that next week. There was really no reason to have Casey on this week. Next week is going to be a boffo show, to say the least. Uh, it'll probably just be all Casey. I'm trying to get Mark Wahlberg on as well, the host. Um, but we will discuss everything with Casey, a lot of stuff that we were not able to discuss during the season because she couldn't give anything away. But now that she's open and free, I'm sure she'll have plenty to say. Also, please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. It is much appreciated. If you want to be a part of a future episode of the He Said, She Said podcast, email me, email Ashley. Let us know what time zone you're in. Let us know your situation and the best times for you to record, and we'll work out a situation. But, uh, yeah, thank you to Tara and Sarah for doing this. I've been, like I said, recorded it back in January, accidentally deleted it. It was gone forever. So we redid it. We tightened it up a little bit, kept it to a few, fewer topics. And um, but, yeah, I could have talked about 90210 until I was 90. But um, I hope you enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. And uh, you know what else is going to be a lot of fun? As you're listening to this right now, me on a plane to Vegas. So, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, March Madness, favorite time of the year. It, it, I'm, obviously, I'm a huge sports nut. Anybody that has listened to me over the years knows this. But there isn't a sporting event that does it for me any more than March Madness. It is 
absolutely, 100%, unequivocally, the number one sporting event in the year, calendar year for me every year. So uh, I'll be plopped in a sports book at the Venetian 12 hours a day for the next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then I leave uh, to come back on Sunday. So three full days, and uh, I cannot wait. So anyway, thank you all for tuning in. hope you enjoyed the podcast with uh, Tara and Sarah. And uh, we will be back next week. Big Temptation Island podcast. We're going to get a lot of questions answered next week. So tune in for that. Then again, thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you next week. See you.